0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.
1: Caught down the right sideline. Touchdown, Kevante Martin Manley. Iowa is backed up. They convert a couple of third downs, and it results in a touchdown. Vandenberg to Martin Manley. Just the fourth touchdown pass of the year for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And Again, you can see that common theme early on for the Hawkeyes. They want to move the pocket, get James Vandenberg outside, and again, the patience to let that route develop. He was able to find Martin Manley for the touchdown.
0: Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's loss at Indiana, and he previews the upcoming game at Kinnick Stadium against Purdue. We we also have our weekly Big Ten conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Marv Cook and Brent Balbonat, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out both of our reporters' notebook shows this week. The Iowa-Indiana game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network, with announcers Eric Collins and Derek Ratley. A nice job in play-by-play and analysis, we very much appreciate it, and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefense Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefense, And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. <laughs> We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeyes, Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's Big Ten road loss at Indiana and previews Saturday's home game against the Purdue Boilermakers. Marv, another very tough
2: game for the Iowa Hawkeyes last Saturday at Bloomington. Losing to Indiana, they fall below 500 for the first time since 2007 and the first time in November since 2000 and they now are sitting on a three-game Big Ten losing streak.
1: Yeah, you know, kind of just uh, disheartening. I mean, I I really felt like the weather was going to favor the Hawks and, and kind of their style, and, and it didn't play out the way I mean any of us would have thought, to be honest with you. I mean, scoring 14 points offensively, and with the exception of the pick-six, again, not the ability not to run the football and that type of an advantage for us was, was somewhat disheartening for me.
2: You see more of a theme coming out in the media, in news stories as well as columns, that the bottom line here is this Iowa team lacks talent, depth, and speed on both offense and defense. Uh,
1: yeah, and, and you know, in, in a lot of it, I, to me, I I'm gonna say preparation you know I mean I, I think uh, you know a lot of times when it looks like you're not executing a lot a lot of times it's the you got to give credit to the other side you know they're playing and they're putting their kids in position to have success and you know I mean I hate to say that but to me it just looks like teams are starting to figure out our zone running game and they're starting to put a lot of pressure on us and and forcing us to get out of that you know we're, we're not having answers right now to, to to how to respond and unfortunately it's playing out in victories right now
2: Iowa's offense actually started better on Saturday had a pretty good first quarter equaled their highest point total in the first quarter game all season, but after that, they just sputtered and were back to the same inconsistencies that you've seen all year out of this offense.
1: And, and the most disheartening thing, like I said, is just, I mean, I thought if there was a team that Indiana was struggling, stopping the run, we are a pretty effective running team for the most part and just not to be able to t- control the line of scrimmage the way I thought we would have was was obviously put us in a, a bad spot. Over and over and over again, the post-game reports sound similar. You mentioned it, that, you know, it's execution and all other things, well, I mean, you know what? We've, then maybe we need to try something different. I mean, if, if that's the, the same response that we're getting every single week, then maybe we need to try something different and, and find it an effective way to get it done right. Because you know, I learned from a long time ago, Bill Parcells, in a coaching situation, was you know, we went over something over and over and over again in practice, and we get in the game and we didn't do it the way it was meant to be practiced. And ultimately, I thought the player was going to get yelled at, but ultimately the coach got yelled at. And after being yelled at for about 45 seconds, the coach said, What do you want me to do? I told him a thousand times. And he had, because I had heard him, the coach, tell the player, a thousand times to watch out for this particular formation and motion and play. And Bill Parcel's responsible. Obviously, it wasn't enough. We've got to find a way to communicate with these guys, get them in position to have success, and then ultimately, you know, they've got to step up and make plays and win football games.
2: You made the comment last week that you thought this might be a game where, and I think it's building off of what you just said, where Iowa might have to open up the passing game a bit more in order to help facilitate the running game, and last Saturday, you saw Iowa continually trying to run right into the If Indiana's defense has one strength, it's interior defensive linemen, it's defensive tackles. And yet, Iowa ran play after play after play right at the defensive tackles, and Indiana just stuffed them.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's a testament to, to, you know, people, good coaches are going to take away your strength. They're going to force you to do something you're not comfortable with to try to win the game. And that's, you know, I, I've always, Indiana is the perfect example of that when, when they had Antoine randall you know, He was a guy that you couldn't let run the football effectively. Otherwise, he was going to have a field day with you. And, and you know, was a team that wants to run the ball. And, and good teams are going to force you to get out of that. They're going to put eight in the box. They're going to pound it in there, force you to throw it. it when it's not working, in my opinion, you've got to try something different. And I look at the New England Patriots offense, and, and Brian comes from this. You can you can effectively run the football because they do. They effectively have a good effective running game and still run zone and still run a lot of the different such sets you get out of a spread offense. But I mean, obviously, Tom Brady's not a spread quarterback. I mean, he's a you know he's not a guy that's going to run the football. But you can pass out of that that spread set. You can run out of the spread set effectively. You know, you can still go two tight ends and with that out of gun and stuff. And you know, I'd, I'd like to see us evolve a little bit into that type of system and be more effective, especially you know, kind of catering to what I think is James Vandenberg's strengths as a quarterback, and that's just my personal opinion, I guess.
2: Yeah, let's pursue that That
1: and a a cup of coffee will uh, (laughs) get you a nice morning, you
2: know? Uh, let's, Let's follow up on that point a bit. More people seem to be wondering just what's going on here in terms of Greg Davis' approach, and whether or not it looks like he's, come hell or high water, going to stick with his philosophy on this perimeter passing game, or perhaps take better advantage of the current player's skill sets. I mean, they are what they are. You've got Vandenberg, who clearly seems because we've seen him do it in past years, more comfortable with a bit more of a vertical passing game. He can make almost all of those passes. And yet, he's really struggling in this perimeter approach. So, you know, it really makes you wonder what's going on here. Why? It, Kirk talked a little bit about it in the press conference on Tuesday. He really didn't say very much. But that that debate, if this offense continues to struggle and there's no reason to expect it not to at this point through nine games, that debate, I think, is going to continue.
1: 100%. I mean, to me, I, I don't see a lot of differences. I mean, I still we're still inside zone outside zone we're still play action pass running boot deep comebacks off the play action you know to me it's it's very very similar to what we've been and that that makes sense when you when you when you recruit if you're recruiting to your system which is what you should be doing but you know coach davis comes in a little bit these aren't his guys and you know notre dame had the same issue i mean you know brian kelly a year ago gotten a ton of hot water when he said well we don't have our guys in yet i mean you you bring in guys that fit your system fit the style that you want to coach and to play to if you have this is going to sound bad but if you have square peg guys you need to run square peg play you can't run round peg plays and you've got to match your personnel to what you've got and, and I, you know I've, I've been around a lot of guys that can sit and draw X's and O's better than anybody on a board but if the but if the O can't block the X it's not a good play at the end of the day you still going to have guys that can beat the guy across from you and you got to put those players in position to be successful so you know I, I think we are a, you know we are built to be a zone team and and right now I don't know if we've got the guys that can do that I mean if you're gonna be a zone running team you need to look like Wisconsin six, 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 seven, 320, you know, that makes running the zone a little bit more easy when you have those big, big kind of guys, and you got bigger, big backs that can pound it in there, or you got scatty backs that can change the pace a
2: little bit. You saw glimpses of how the offense might be able to move the ball on Iowa's two touchdown drives. They were more two of the more balanced drives we've seen in recent games, and they employed a little bit more vertical passing. And you saw yards after catch. Again, we talked about that last week. That's not something you've seen a lot of this season. Yeah,
1: and you need you need playmakers. You need. Guys that can make plays and and do things, and then ultimately, you know, a lot of times, even just taking it, going back five yards and throwing the ball seventy yards down the field. If it does nothing else, it keeps the safeties alert uh, to the fact that they can't come down and cover the digs and the crossers and all those things. And, and it sends a message. And but ultimately, you know, guys have to step up. And you don't want to do. I mean, I was a I was a possession receiver. Right now, it looks to me like we got possession guys. But you're right. What you need is yards after contact. You know, not necessarily yards after catch, but yards after contact. Where you get the ball in your hand, then you make things happen after the fact. Now you stress the defense. We we always talk about defenses want to attack the offense and bring pressure and, and pin their ears back. Well, if that's the case, then you got to be as an offense, you got to be aggressive and attack them back because ultimately if they're bringing pressure, then they're vulnerable somewhere. You got to find it and go at it and attack it. You know, and all it takes is make one guy miss in that situation. It's a big play. So, you know, you know, I'm putting a lot of this on the players and I don't mean to be negative and I don't mean to be, you know, a Debbie Downer about the Hawks right now, but I mean, there's got to be a sense of ownership and, and taking taking charge here and, and getting the ship righted to some extent.
2: Ed Podolik made a very interesting comment I think it was in the second quarter of that game where he talked about the fact that Vandenberg appeared to be changing a lot of plays into running plays and changing them so late in the uh, play clock that the offensive linemen and and the other players couldn't adjust in time to the blocking schemes. Does that comment make sense to you?
1: Yes, and and unfortunately what happens is defenses will bait you into that. Good defenses, good coordinators, and good sound strategy understands how you're trying to attack them. You know, Iowa's got a counting system where they want to count up and, and account for the certain guys with their with their line calls. And ultimately, a shade by a nose or a shade by a backside defensive tackle kind of changes the count. It kind of screws things up a little bit or where a, a, a linebacker initially lines up. And by moving, it forces them to then readjust their count and who's pushing to who. And so instead of the the the, the, the left guard and the center pushing to the mic backer, now it all of a sudden it becomes the, the right guard and then the center pushing to the mic backer. Well, now, if you don't communicate that correctly, now you got three guys pushing to two and you got one guy in block. So yeah, it does make sense. And, and that's what good teams do to you. Is they, they understand how you're going to try to attack them, and then they're going to make late shifts on you and force you to get into plays. And then they're going to show you one thing, knowing that you're going probably going to check into something else, and then they're going to shift into what they know or what they feel is going to be an effective defense for that play that you're probably going to audibilize to. So, I mean, that's football. It's a great chess matchup. And, um, you know, I, and I do see a little bit of that going on. And, and um, you know, obviously that's something that we're going to have to clean up.
2: Let's talk a bit about probably the biggest offensive mistake all day, which was Vandenberg's attempt to throw a back shoulder pass into double coverage in the end zone that was picked this is a fifth year senior making that kind of a mistake he did talk about it after the game said it was all on him is that given the whole offensive struggles all season long is that maybe just vandenberg pressing too much trying to make something happen out of out of nothing when he probably even knows better
1: yeah well this is one of those deals where when we have the luxury of results you know tv for us to go back and say he shouldn't have done it you know it's one of those deals where works, it's it's a, it's it's a great throw and, and, you know, well-executed play and stuff. It, it, but I think ultimately it is a culmination of, you know, eight weeks of, of struggling and trying to make a play and trying to help help your team and carry your team. And that's what happens is you press a little bit, you maybe force it into a window that it isn't, you're not exactly comfortable with. And, and if you're comfortable, you know, you just throw the thing away and you, you live to fight another down kind of thing. And John, you, you, you sense this is a tough day for me. I mean, I, this is hard, hard, hard. And I apologize. I'm saying a lot of, trying to throw out a lot of uh, other words. To kind of, I like, think defer and, ju- and and throw off of my true feelings here a little bit, but but ultimately, I think it is. It's culmination of a lot of frustrations. I, I think he's a great leader. I think he's a great team guy. I think he's stepped on a lot of problems and taken it up and taken ownership for those those deals. But he's just trying to help his team. He's trying to make a play and help his team to a victory. Lead his team to a victory. And I'll never fault guys for that.
2: Third down conversions continue. This sounds like a broken record, doesn't it? Continue to be a significant problem. Only five of fourteen against Indiana. And- and Iowa had another five three and outs, and you're not going to score many points when that is happening.
1: You know, and, and part of that is first and second down execution. I mean, getting you into third and manageable situations, and, and I think we talked about the running game, how, that you know, if you're on first and second down, you're going to run to the teeth of defense, and that's Indiana strength. You're setting yourself up for not failure, but you're setting yourself up for being behind the eight ball a little bit, not getting yourself the best potential to have some success, and statistics on going from third and, you know, four and less to third and six or more is, is conversions go way down. So, you and a lot of that stuff, in my opinion, self-inflicted to some extent. That's something that you need to have a 10 or 15 minute session in practice where that's what you work on is third down conversions. And you're working on third and shorts, you're working on third and mediums and you're working on third and longs. You know, ideally you stay out of the third and long ones, but you have to practice them and you have to know, you know, what plays you want to get to, to help you try to convert those, those situations.
2: On the positive side, Cavante Martin Manley had a really nice game, two games in a row. He had a career high, uh, in numbers of receptions. He also had seven against Northwestern. Uh, he looks like he's beginning to really gel as, as maybe one of the whiteouts that they can count on for a couple of years to come.
1: And he, he needed to be that guy six weeks ago. You know, I mean, he needed to build on the success that he had last year, you know, playing alongside, you know, Marvin McNutt and, and, and to kind of take that mantle of that guy if Keenan Davis wasn't going to take it. We've got guys that should be talented enough to, to be effective, you know, with Fedorowitz and Martin Manley and Keenan Davis and you know there's enough skill set there and enough athleticism that we should be that should be a pretty dynamic offensive package and it's just it hasn't been as dynamic consistently as it needs to be. That's that's unfortunately that's what we're lacking right now is consistency. And you have to do it every single day. You have to practice it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. My assumption is that they're probably practicing that way to some extent too. they would probably be a lot of you know a lot of inconsistencies in the way they're catching the ball and the way they're running routes and and the timing of things. It's probably taking place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and that's why we're seeing it on Saturday.
2: For a defense that gave up as many yards as it did last week against Indiana and the previous two weeks, over 1,400 yards surrendered in those three games. The defense actually played better than it did the previous couple of weeks and held Indiana to equal its lowest point total of the season, but it gave up too many big plays again.
1: You know, and our, our, de- our defense, for the most part, I've been very, very pleased with. I mean, they've been a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde. You know, at times they've had just, ooh, that didn't look good. But at other times, I mean, and for the most part, the majority of the season, they've been pretty stout and pretty, pretty stingy with what they've done. So you know it's there. And and part of it is, and I used to, I'd be, I played on a team like this, and I'm not going to lie. So I, we play, I played on the New England Patriots one year, we were 1-15. and 15. And offensively, we were so bad. And our defense was great. The problem was, we were given the other offenses like 15 possessions, you know, when normally they're going to get 11. Well, you give good teams extra possessions to see your defense and the, how they're defending and how they're trying to, to beat you, they're going to figure it out. I mean, those guys are good on the other side, That they're going to figure that out. And I think that's a little bit of where we're at right now, is offensively, we're struggling so much that are enough that we're giving other teams more possessions and more shots at our defense, and they're taking advantage of it.
2: Indiana's quarterback Cam Kaufman played a really nice game. Wide receiver Cody Latimer had a terrific game. They've gotten most of the attention from last Saturday's game, but given your background, I thought their tight end Ted Bolzer, who had six catches for 82 yards, had a terrific game Saturday.
1: Well, and that's it, right? But think about that, six for 82. I mean, that, that core, you know, that just moving chains and, and those con- conversions and that's, that's a lot of real estate. 82 yards, you know, that's a full drive, a full possession for points. And that's what I've been craving to see Iowa get out of the tight end production is that kind of, you know, serviceability where you're just, you know, keeping drives alive and, and, you know, a defense thinks they get you stopped and they get the guys covered on the outside and all of a sudden there's the tight end bang and at first down. And, um, you know, those, as you mentioned, that, that's, that's the meat and potatoes. You know, the other stuff, the big plays, the 50-yard touchdowns, that's all the sizzle, but the meat and potatoes is that tight end or those fullbacks are back you know, making those third-down conversions and moving
2: the chain. Anthony Hitchens had his sixth game of the year with double digits in tackles. Christian Kirksey, a terrific game overall. Had those two turnovers, the pick-six and the fumble recovery. Do you realize he's now the third-leading scorer in terms of touchdowns for the Iowa football team? He has two? I doubt if you can say that about many defensive players on FBS teams. That's pretty interesting. What would you think of Nico Law? Now, he started his first game. He seems to be one of these players that fans have a desire to see or that, you know, have some kind of a love relationship before he even gets on the field. First start, seemed to play well, tied for second really in the team with eight tackles and two two pass breakups. What does he bring to the table versus the guy he replaced as number one, Tom Donatel?
1: You know, I, I think just one, and, and this is going to sound bad and, and, it, and it's not meant to be this way. Here's a guy that hadn't, you know, hadn't played a lot of football. So there's a, there's a certain amount of passion, a certain amount of energy that comes with that, excitement, you know what I'm saying? And, that, and, that, and that's ultimately what the game is. But you play football. Football's not a job yet. I mean, it may be for some of these guys in the, in the years to come, but you still play the game. And and I and I think if you look for excitement, you look for enthusiasm, you look for guys high-fiving each other and helping each other and running the football. And, and sometimes I think we may have too much of a workman-like mentality, which is you need it. You don't want to get caught up in the emotional roller coaster, but sometimes you got to ride that thing a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And get that energy level up and get it going. I think that's the one thing, whether you say he's talented or whatever, you just playing with enthusiasm and effort and excitement. And You know, that's good to see. So you know that's and, and and the other thing it shows you that here's the thing about this level. You may be first string and you may be listed as first string, but I'm telling you, I've, I've seen this. The guy that's technically listed as second string, he's better than the first stringer in some of the areas of football. You know, and and, and the first stringer is better than him in some of the other. And the third stringer is going to have some skill sets that are better. There's no player that's better in every single aspect of football than the guy behind him for the most part. Now there may be a few exceptions that, but like Emmitt Smith, he wasn't a great necessarily great pass blocker. The backup running back at the Cowboys probably was a better. pass. My point is, there should be 85 guys on the roster out of 120 that are Big Ten caliber type players. And when just given the opportunity to play, can play. And that's what I think you saw here as the guy gets in there and gets eight tackles and two pass breakups. Pretty good football player.
0: More good stuff from Marv Cook after the Big Ten update. How many things have you touched today?
1: Hmm? Ooh, a puppy! <laughs>
0: How many places have your hands been? Ooh, A keyboard! 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefens, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything.
1: Ew, a toilet.
0: Prefens, keep your hands germ-free all day. In our Big Ten update, Nebraska overcame yet another double-digit deficit, that's the third time this year, to beat Michigan State at East Lansing and take control of the Legends division. The Cornhuskers had 333 yards rushing, and that's without Rex Burkhead. Quarterback Tyler Martinez had 200 of those, so that doesn't bode well for Iowa in two weeks. Michigan State's four losses now, including the one in overtime to the Hawkeyes, have come by a combined total of 10 points. There was another dust-up in East East Lansing following the loss to Nebraska, which had several very controversial officiating calls. A number of Spartan players took to Twitter to complain about the referees, including Tevion Bell, who wrote that Michigan State really has only lost one game all year, that to Notre Dame, and the rest of the losses were due to bad officiating. Indiana's win over Iowa last Saturday sets up a big game when Wisconsin travels to Bloomington this weekend. Believe it or not, if the Hoosiers win that contest, they will be in the driver's seat to be the lead leaders' division representative in the Big Ten title game. If the Badgers win, they will lock up that slot, regardless of what happens here on out. Remember, neither Ohio State nor Penn State are eligible. Even with Ohio State having its bye week this Saturday, a Nebraska win over Penn State would allow the Buckeyes to clinch at least a tie for the leaders' division title. Michigan won at Minnesota last week, giving them the six wins necessary for bowl eligibility, and they did it without Denard Robinson, who set out another game. The Wolverines started Evan Gardner at quarterback he threw for three TDs but also had two picks. Michigan joins Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Nebraska as bowl eligible conference teams. Michigan State and Minnesota are each just one win away from that status. The Legends division is more muddled even with Nebraska in charge at the moment. With just three games remaining, every team technically remains in contention for the division title. Michigan and Nebraska are tied at the top with four and one records and the Cornhuskers holding the tiebreakers. It would appear that that Michigan's remaining schedule is also more difficult than Nebraska's. Northwestern is just one game off their pace. Key games this week include Northwestern at Michigan. The loser there will be Toast in the Legends division race and Penn State in Nebraska where the Cornhuskers cannot afford a loss at home. Incidentally, conference teams have been very successful in road games this season, not including the Hawkeyes, of course. Big Ten road teams have an overall record of 16 and 15. Few conference teams remain in the national rankings. The AP has Ohio State 5th and Nebraska 18th. The USA Today Coaches Poll lists the Cornhuskers 16th and Northwestern 21st. Harris Interactive has Nebraska 16th, the Wildcats 24th. In the BCS, Nebraska is ranked 16th and Northwestern makes its first appearance there at number 24. Big Ten rankings in the NCAA of interest for the Iowa Purdue game include linebacker Anthony Hitchens, 4th in tackles per game, averaging 11.78. Landon Fichter of Purdue is 12th in interceptions per game. Jordan Cotton has moved up to 16th in kick return average, and Mike Meyer is eighth this week in field goals per game. The Hawkeyes are 29th in scoring defense and 17th in turnover margin.
1: Oh, this is awkward. I'm going to walk. Uh, I'm going to walk this situation off, and I will see you later. Nothing to look at. Go back to work, everyone. Don't act like you're not impressed.
0: all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbonat on Hawkeye's mic and on the Balbonat and Bramble Camp Show weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com <laughs> Next, Marv Cook talks Iowa's defensive schemes, coaching decisions, and his surprising keys to the Purdue game. It's an interesting game plan that Phil Parker put in place for this game to try to slow down Indiana's quick
2: strike offense, their ability to score touchdowns so fast, and that is he, he subbed in the entire defensive line pretty much throughout that game. What do you think of that approach?
1: Well, I, I actually think, I, and it kind of gets back to what I talked about, I think that actually makes sense because, I mean, if you pin yours back and you rush the passer, I mean, the thing about defense is you have to run to the floor football every snap offensive you block the guy if he gets off you kind of jog towards the play if that makes sense you know what i'm saying not to be disparaging of offensive guys versus defensive guys but defensively you have to run to the football you have to rally to the football so you you may be rushing the passer get knocked to the ground you got to get up and then they pass the ball to the right flat you got to chase the ball you got to run a lot of ways. and so ultimately if you do that six or seven or eight snaps in a row you're gonna be gassed you know the this the next guy at a hundred percent i'm telling you is going to be better than the first string guy at 65 percent so you, you, it does make sense to get the fresh legs in there for two or three snaps, let the other guy get out and get some water and get a blow, keep the rushers fresh and keep trying to put pressure on the quarterback and get him out of his comfort zone. Because, you know, we saw with uh, we saw with um, Adrian Claiborne when he was an All-American and all that stuff. I mean, you cannot force these guys to go 85, 90 snaps, and especially some of these hurry-up offenses where, you, you know, you're running 30-yard sprints, you know, over and over and over again and not expecting to get tired after six or seven snaps. I think it's, I think it's a brilliant strategy, and, and we need to keep guys fresh from that standpoint.
2: We can't leave uh, thoughts on the Indiana game without uh, talking a little bit about the controversial decision that Kirk made late in the fourth quarter to punt rather than go forward on fourth and inches. I'm curious as to what your reaction was to that, but even more importantly, the message that you think that sends to your offense
1: I can see both ways. You know, you, you punt it away, go three and out, you get the ball back, a field goal still ties it. You go for it, you convert it, you keep the drive going, and you still have a chance for two possessions. If you get it and you start driving again and you still don't get it, you can still punt it away then and still hold them and have a chance for a field goal. If you don't get it, you can hold them to a field goal, and now a touchdown still wins for you. Or was it, half a yard? You know, I don't know. If, if I if, if I thought we were better, I would go for it. If I thought we were a better team, I would go for it. That that would be my personal opinion. Let
2: me, let me ask the question in a slightly different way, in two different ways. One, at this point in the season, given everything else that's occurred, what do you have to lose? But two, if you're an offensive player out there, don't you want to go for it?
1: Yeah, yeah. If you feel you're better, that, that's that's how I would look at it. And and I I'm telling you, 11 guys on the field should have felt like they were better. But but you know I, I do see it the other way. You know I mean honestly, you kick it away if they don't if they give, if they go three and out or even just give them one first down, you're still gonna get the ball back with a minute 50 and you're still gonna have a chance to go down and kick field goal and, and tie it and get to overtime. You know it, 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 I guess the the biggest thing is is we have the luxury of result of what happened. You know I mean it's it's the nature of the beast. So I mean if he kicks it away, we get three and out, they get the ball back in the 40 yard line, and we we go down and kick a field goal or score a touchdown. We're
2: I will say that uh, most of the media members, at least, were not second-guessing Kirk on that. They were first-guessing it, so Uh, for what what that's worth. Well, let's turn to the Purdue game. On paper, at least, this looks like, of Iowa's three remaining games, the one that they might have the best chance in. Iowa, of course, has its three-game losing streak. Purdue has a five-game Big Ten losing streak. The Hawkeyes are going to wear Nike Pro Combat uniforms. That should be pretty cool. It's the blackout game. Someone's got to break a losing streak care.
1: Yeah, and Purdue scares me, I'll be honest with you. I mean, they were early on this deal. They were, you know, one of the teams that we, you know talked about uh, as far as, uh, you know, being a contender in the Big 10 and they got off the a decent start, I think in their non-conference stuff. You know, they gave, you know, they gave Ohio State fifth. They took Ohio State at Ohio State into overtime. So, I mean, there's some talent there and it's a good football team. You know, obviously which is concerning. So, you know, we're going to need to be ready. You know, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see the mindset of the Hawks, one the fans. two the players, three Kinnick Stadium. you know. I mean, I'm I'm curious to see how kinnick Stadium look on Saturday, I mean it's going to be interesting. I mean it's you know the weather's starting to turn a little bit, and, and you just hope the fans don't turn with the weather here and, and find something else to do on Saturday afternoon.
2: Yeah, just as you mentioned, Danny Hope said at the uh, football media day in the Big Ten in the summer that he thought this was the best Purdue team he had. Now he's had some tough injuries and in, including situation at quarterback. He's in his fourth year. All kinds of rumors that he's going to lose his job at the end of the season. How does that impact players? I don't. I, know that didn't happen to you in your career at Iowa. I don't know, I don't recall right off the top of my head if it happened in the pros, but from a player perspective, when you're hearing all these reports and rumors about your head coach being fired, what does that do to your psyche?
1: One of two things. If the coach has got a great rapport with the players, it, it rallies them in a big way because they ultimately feel responsible for, for kind of the results. If, the, if they know the coach has been in it and has got vested ownership and has really you know, committed the time and the effort and put the staff together that's you know that's really you know trying to move the program in the right direction, ultimately the player know if it's their responsibility, and if that's the case then they, they, they surround the wagon, circle the wagon, and they get ready. I mean, if there is a disconnect between the coach and the players, if irreparable. are I mean, it's, you, you lose them, and it's, you, you can't get it back, and it's a tough, tough thing to overcome, and that may be a little bit of what we're seeing to some extent as they've kind of unraveled here in the last five weeks, but I mean, I watched that Purdue, I watched that Purdue game. I, I mean, I was watching on TV when watching Purdue and Ohio State go to overtime, and it was a, Ohio State was lucky to get that win. Obviously, Ohio State's got some talent and a good football team, so this is not something to take lightly, and, and and, you know, that being the case, though, the beauty of where we're at, as we talk about this all the time, is a Big Ten game. This is every bit as important as any other Big Ten game we play. Chance to even the slate in the Big Ten and get ready for a hard push with Michigan and Nebraska. And if you get two of these three, you're going to feel pretty, you know, people are going to feel pretty good about where the Hawks are if they get two of the next three. You know, and not, not feel great about it, but feel good about at least we're digging in and fighting and competing and, and uh, trying to move in the right direction. So, you know, it'll be, um, it's going to, this is one of those games where it's going to, you know, find out where the true character of a team is, uh, the true discipline and and. Focus of a team is uh, the team that you know ultimately plays well during the week, practices well, prepares well. Probably the team that has the big advantage on
2: Saturday. Boilermakers give up 194.5 yards rushing per game. That's the second worst in the Big Ten. So you would like to think that Iowa again could get its rushing attack unleashed. They will be. It looks like playing without Wiseman or Rodgers again. So that's going to put the load on Bullock primarily and secondarily Garmin. Got to
1: step up. Young guys got to step up and carry the load find a way to get it done. and You know, week eight or nine, you're no longer a freshman. You're no longer a young guy. You're you're an experienced veteran, and the role is to help the team win football games. So that's where the mindset should be and I believe will be, and we're lucky in Iowa. I mean, We're very, very fortunate. We're the Chicago Cubs of college football, in my opinion. Miami, University of Miami, had 19,000 fans at their game the other night, and they were playing a big-time opponent, and, you know, we're going to show up and we're going to have 70,000-plus cheering the Hawks on one and we're gonna win over Purdue. So, you know, and I think the players need to understand that that is a huge, home-field advantage, and they do, and they play for it. and So I'm expecting a very, very spirited effort out of our guys.
2: Iowa's defense, their version of the nickel generally this season, and they've been running more nickel and dime in the last few weeks here against these high-octane offenses, but their version is to take out one of the safeties, of replacing that with a cornerback, as opposed to what most teams do when they take out a linebacker in the nickel defense.
1: Yeah, it doesn't sound like nickel to me. Though. That sounds like uh, regular defense. I mean, I, I, I was a tight end. I, I made my living on linebacker. Give me give me a linebacker covering me and I'm, we're winning. That's my mindset. I know Iowa wants to keep your linebackers in there and play the pass and run and then they come up and tackle. The way these corners and safeties are now, these guys are put together. They're men. They can hold up in the running game, especially with most of these backs. You know, As long as a, back, as long as a team's not bringing fullbacks on, on guys, that's where you need your linebackers. If, if a team's running lead and they're running ISO and, and other than that, if they're passing and running spread, safeties and corners can come up and make those tackles on those guys and you're fine. I mean, the, the decision, and I think Coach Parker does this: is you got to find in the third down situation your six best cover guy. I mean, you're the six best guys that are gonna get if you're gonna play zone, or get to the hook zone, or get to the curl, you're gonna come up and make the tackle underneath if that's the case, or or if they're gonna go man or some some extent matchup man, you've got to get the six best guys that can flat out cover guys And so if that's a safety or corner or linebacker, and I think that's where they're trying to find out is exactly what that pack package is. That's unique in taking a safety out put a corner. I, I like it because you're bringing in a you know corners technically are better cover guys than safeties but you know, technically safety should be better cover guys than linebackers trying to cover slot receivers or covering backs on the backfield.
2: Before we get to your keys to the game, there's a kind of an interesting theory floating around that given all the conversation about, well, Iowa's Vandenberg's taking every snap of the season. Are we ever going to see a backup quarterback even in some mop-up duties? Ference at his Tuesday press conference was asked that specifically if, they, if Iowa fans would see Jake Rudock take a, an actual snap in a game and he gave his typical response, James is our quarterback. The theory is that the coaching staff is trying to avoid at all costs giving any of the backup quarterbacks this season, a leg up in terms of competition going into next year and, and spring practice next year. Does that hold water with you? No,
1: that, that wouldn't hold water with me, I don't think. I mean, some of the situations we're talking about, you're down 21 or 20 points and there's four minutes to go in the game. It, you know, you're going to get four or five snaps, six, seven snaps, tops. That's not, in my opinion, that's not, wouldn't be enough to justify a guy over another guy going in the spring. So, you know, I just look at it from the standpoint Point of consistency with the offense. And, and, and I know they're doing it during the week. I'm sure the second string or third string guys is getting some reps as far as cadence goes. You know, we had a deal the other night where, you know, our backup quarterback comes in and, you know, the first play, there's miscommunication as far as the check. You know, we're checking the line of scrimmage. Well, you know, three of the guys heard one, three of the guys, you know, heard the other, and the play doesn't work because of that. And it's, just, it's those types of things, you know, delay a game then because of uh, uh, just the sequence and the timing. And then if you have a chance in a Big Ten setting to get a guy a couple snaps, in my opinion, you know, you would want to try Try to do that. I, I'm trying not to be critical because you know Coach Ferris does a great job and a great man and, and stuff. So you know there's a there's a reason to what they have and the process they have in place. And right now we're just going through that series. where keeping games close isn't working for us. You know we're in the Orange Bowl year keeping games close against Purdue and Northwestern. We've won them. This year, we're not winning them, and that's that's the big difference.
2: If you just look at the stats, Purdue leads pretty much in every offensive statistical category. Iowa leads in nearly every defensive statistical category in terms of the matchup of these two teams. So what are your keys to this game? What does Iowa have to do? Which players are going to be crucial for them to be able to come out with a win?
1: John, I'm going off the board here today. I'm going to go off the board today with my keys to the game. I want to see guys that are jacked. I want to see guys that are passionate about playing. Football, you know, I want to see guys when they come out and they're playing. What is it, Back in Black, or they're, you know, Hell's Bells, or whatever it is, are jumping up and down. Our kickoff team is going nuts, waiting for that team to go down there and get after it. And and when we make a sack or we, you know, bat a ball down. I mean, I don't, I don't want the excessive stuff. I'm talking about guys that are playing with the passion and the love of the game and the excitement of, of of making plays. And if we do that, we're going to be fine. We got Kinnick Stadium. We got, you know, there's enough talent here that that type of thing, you know, and we've seen it numerous times. Where you know the pit game. Remember the pit game? We get destroyed for three and a half quarters last year, three quarters. All of a sudden the switch goes, and now the momentum goes, and our players are getting excited, and then now they're making plays. And, and, and momentum and, a, and, and excitement and enthusiasm play such a huge role in this game, and you can't try to keep it down. You don't want to, i mean—you don't want to get caught up in the emotional roller coaster of it. But you have got to feed off that energy, and, I, and I, that's what I'm looking for. And I, I think if they get that excitement back in them and hunger, we're going to be fine. I mean, we, we've, we've seen glimpses of it, and you know, defensively especially, and, and just offensively we've got to be got to be better we've got to find a way to score points and keep the defense off the field where's your killer instinct son you got to get angry you got to get
0: mean that's the only way you can play well
2: i guess i'm not really an angry person
0: (laughs)
1: are you angry now martin manley and davis the wide receivers bottom part of your screen
0: looking for the corner get it.
1: Touchdown, Iowa! Mm-hmm. Hawkeyes' first offensive touchdown since the first quarter, and they regain the lead. Mm-hmm. Damon
0: Bullock, his second touchdown rushing on the
1: season, so this time slow and steady does, at least temporarily, win the race. Hawkeyes Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmic.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Music.
0: Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMic.com. One passion, many voices.
1: Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it.
0: This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.